All right. Good morning. How's everybody doing today? There's a verse in Romans, and it defines the characteristics of the sons of God as those that are led by the Spirit. And so this morning, we want to be led by the Spirit. But you know, that's not always easy because we're distracted. So many sounds, so many voices, so many different desires that beckon to us, that call to us, that compel us this way, that way. Each of those different sounds have their own set of priorities. And so there's an orientation around the Spirit of God. This is why we spend time praying. This is why we spend time reading the Word. This is why we spend time coming into His presence. It takes deliberate focus to restore that orientation because we want to be sons that are pleasing to Him, that are led by His Spirit. So this morning as we begin to come in, you know, we may be in the room right now, but sometimes we're not mentally in the room. You know, you, we have that saying so often today when, with uh, iPads and iPhones, you can be sitting at supper and everybody's got their iPhone open and so nobody's present. So we want to begin to lean into the presence of God and be present because we need the orientation around Him. We need what he imparts. We need what comes from heaven. We need that which is born of God because that which is born of God overcomes the world. So can we begin to worship God? Pull on the reins of your mind. Pull on the reins of your emotions. Pull on the reins of everything else and say to your being, as David said to his, worship the Lord you command your soul to worship the Lord. So, Lord, I say today, I will worship you. I say to my soul, lift up your voice. I say to my being, come and bow before the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the Almighty God, who is worthy, worthy of all my attention this morning, worthy of all my praise, Worthy that I would pour myself out toward him and him alone to say, God, worthy are you, Lamb of God, slain before the foundations of the earth. Worthy, worthy, worthy are you. Worthy are you. Worthy are you. You deserve the glory. You deserve the honor. You deserve the power. Now, I talked about this last week, too, but it's coming up again, so we have to really believe that God is trying to get us to do something, and that is reach for hope. I feel that there's been, like, a hopelessness that's kind of swept through maybe the world over the last year. But something is changing. Something is shifting. Something is opening up. And there's like a new life or a new growing 
that is allowing hope to spring up. And I'm a guy that doesn't really or never really thought much about that or never really grabbed much hope before. Actually, I thought it was kind of pointless to do. But there's a hope that is opening up for us and we have been given permission to grab hold of it. We have been allowed to grab hold of it. As Pastor Mark just said, the price was paid and the admission is already bought. There is an opening that we are allowed and have permission to grab hold of this hope. And so I want to encourage us right now to allow your heart, allow your spirit, allow your whole being to reach forward and grab some hope for once. Don't look at all the things that have died already. Look to what God is about to do in the earth. Look what he's going to do through you. Allow yourself to hope once again. And I'm telling you, when we grab this, the Bible says that hope deferred makes the heart sick, but an answered prayer is a tree of life. I want to see the tree of life coming from the ground in, into existence in front of us. That's what I'm hoping for. God says we have permission to hope. Grab hold of it today. I just want to share this as we go back into this. When I came in here this morning, Darcy asked me a question. He said, how's it going with your dad? And uh, I was thinking about that for a second. I'm like, well, I haven't talked to my dad or anything like that. But something significant took place this week. And if you weren't here last week, last week we actually started to pray into those impossible prayers again. We started to tap into that, you know, where we've lost hope. We tapped into that. And so, you know, Rebecca, lovely Rebecca, challenged me to pray it out and to mean it from the depths of my heart. And, you know, I started to think about that because I pray for my dad quite often. But I can honestly say there's a part of me that, without realizing it, I think I did lose hope. You say the prayers because you know you're supposed to, right? It's the right thing to do. But I don't think I believed it. And we said that prayer last week, and I'll say it again. I, I'm not talking to my dad, but I got a phone call on Tuesday. And on Tuesday, I got a phone call from my dad's sister, who I haven't talked to in 10 years. As soon as this started to spring up, I felt like the Lord said to me, Do you see? I've already got the ball moving. I've already started the process. I'm already moving. I'm already doing something. Something is about to shift. Don't lose hope, but step into that hope. And just before Jesse yeah. came up, I felt like the Lord said this. This is an invitation to all of you Come on. to tap back into the hope. Those very things that you're refusing to say, I believe again. He's saying, I want you to believe. And I feel as we go back into this again, there is an invitation for you right now to bring those things. As we were singing earlier... Um, this morning I was reading about um, the plagues of Egypt. You know about that, right? And I want you, before we just talk about that, I just want to say that when Abraham was promised Isaac, he was also promised that, in four, that his people would be captured for 400 years, which tells me that God knows about all of us long before that we're born. And none of us in this building are in oops. And every situation that you're in, has not been hidden from God, just so you know. 
But anyway, so along came Moses and he told the Israelites that they would be set free. They were very happy that they were going to be set free until Moses first went to see Pharaoh and Pharaoh reacted in a way that they hadn't expected and they ended up having a worse time than they had before. And so at that point they said, you know what Moses, thanks, but maybe you should leave. But Moses continued and at first the sorcerers were able to um, mimic what Moses did, but they could never undo what God did. They could mimic, but never undo. And then there came a point, at the point of the lice thing, that they could not mimic. And after that, um, God began to separate the Egyptians from his people. And no longer were they both treated the same. After that point, the Egyptians were treated very differently from God's people. But the backdrop was always that God would show his own power. That was the reason for all of this. Read the chapters. He keeps saying, I will display my power. And I want you to think about your lives right now. And I want you to think about what darkness you are facing. And I want you to put the backdrop of God's power and say, God, display your power. And if that means that I have to work harder, if that means that I have to look like a slave, if that means that for a time it will not be good, I will trust you because you will lead me out when it's time. You know, often what we've done in our journey is... uh, is we've done what Israel did. Moses comes in and he says, I have this testimony. The God of our fathers appeared to me. And everybody's excited. It's like, wow, this is going to be great. This is going to be amazing. God's going to reveal his power. This is going to be a cakewalk. But as soon as they saw the immensity of the opposition, they lost hope. And sometimes what we've done is we've, we've charged up our hope, believing there'll be no obstacles. And then when we come into the obstacles, We have no power to move ahead. And so our hope has been derived by diminishing the nature of the obstacles. And God is saying, listen, the obstacles are immense, but I'm greater. Your hope cannot be in diminishing the problems. The problems that are right in front of you in your personal life. The problems that you have in terms of just trying to be a Christian. You cannot diminish these things. You have to augment who I am while seeing the problems for what they are, because they're very real, but do not lose grip. So today, we need to grab hope. God, we are not going to diminish the problems. We are going to increase our perception of what you can do. So Father, come into our lives today with the abundance of what you can do. We say we've seen the enemies. We've seen the, 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 the defects in us. We've seen the challenges. But you are greater. Come on, can we say, you are greater. You you are greater. You are able. You are able. You are able. You are able. So it was when my children were nine, eight, seven, and six that we decided that we would move to a place called Tajikistan. And my husband had that idea because he read the National Geographic and God spoke to him. And when he went to see a mission organization, they said, it's impossible and we have nobody in Tajikistan, but if you heard from God, you can go ahead and try. And so we moved to uh, to, um, Istanbul 
And we kept thinking that some glorious door would open. And so we kept phoning and asking, okay, so what's happening? And they said, well, nobody's there, but um, there are Tajiks in Uzbekistan. Would you be willing to go to them? And Derek said, well, Bernice, what do you figure? And I said, well, God said Tajikistan. Doesn't that kind of mean Tajikistan? Like, seems to me. So anyway, so we spent three months in Istanbul. He went to, um, he went to visit Tajikistan, and within a week, he found a job. He found, um, he found believers, and he found a place for us to stay. And so we moved to Tajikistan, where no other known missionaries had been, but there had been somebody. And the first Sunday we were there, we went to visit the Russian Baptist Church. And we wept because we didn't know there was believers in Tajikistan. And during that first little while, Derek had managed to get to go to a picnic with a whole bunch of men who were thinking of overthrowing the country. During our stay in Tajikistan, all those men were killed. As you know, Derek wasn't. And um, within a very short period of time, we were, we were given a passport that allowed us to go in and out of Tajikistan, which is unheard of. Five years later, we were not given a stamp in our passports because they said that we were spies, because what happened to us and the things that we walked in were too powerful for ordinary people. And so the echelons of Tajikistan believed that we had someone very powerful that we were working for. Otherwise, we would never have been able to do and jump through the hoops that we had. And the one that we worked for was God. And we blessed God. And just so that you know, for, uh, we landed in Tajikistan in June, and in October, the Civil War began. And the truth is, what were we doing there? We were sent. What did we accomplish? We were sent, and in five years we were taken out, and God shut the door. And that's, I just want you to know that there's nothing impossible. There's nothing that, if God tells you something, it's because he can do it. I feel like this thing about hopelessness is really, really key. I'll share a little part of my testimony and then I'm going to talk about maybe the dynamics of what it is that God is doing us. Because as God is maturing us, there's, there's very concrete steps along the way and challenges that we need to step through that bring us into maturity. And you can't avoid any of those through denial. You can't avoid any of those by pretending it's not real because you just, you just stall your journey. And I feel like a lot of us have been stalled at different points of our journey. I've been stalled in my journey. I don't know for how long, but there were distinct stages where I'm sure that I stayed at that stage longer than I needed to. I've decided I don't want to have to do that. Uh, you know, I mean, when you're baking a cake, how long does it need to bake? Well, until it's done, okay? So there are certain stages where you're stalled because God is, is applying heat in order to bring uh, a fundamental shift to your being. And so there's progress even at those stages. When you're halted, you're halted for a reason because God is waiting for something to finish. And so I want you to pray right now in your heart. God, I don't want to be stalled for longer 
than I have to be. I understand plateaus. I understand stages. I understand the journey. But God, I pray that you could fast track this journey in as much as it's possible. Lord, give me the courage. Give me the faith to do that today. I pray in Jesus' name. Let me just say, uh, I'm always impressed with the hunger for truth. The hunger for truth is the greatest thing you can have in this journey. That's why, uh, you know, there's that scripture that talks about in the last days, those that, you know, there'll be those who, are, uh, who don't, don't love the truth that God will give them over to a lie. That's what God does. Eventually, when you keep choosing for a lie, God lets you have the lie. Uh, it's not his choice. That's your choice. But those who love it, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And so that, that, that commodity in your heart is, is, a, is a key thing. Why is that important? Because ultimately, you're going to find out that a lot of the stages, a lot of the when you go from something to, when you come out of something and into something else, there's a truth aspect that clicks. There's a revelation. That's why we see that pattern from Matthew, I think, uh, 16 or, or 20 it is, where, where Jesus said uh, to, to Peter, he said, he said, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, because Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. He said, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father was in heaven, and on this I'm going to build my church. Okay? So the building of the kingdom of God, the church, the people of God, always happens with revelation. You come into a truth. So you need to realize that right now, you got missing truth. I have missing truth. Now, I'm long past the, the point where I feel bad about that. I used to, used to just feel guilty. I've decided I'm not feeling guilty anymore because it just doesn't help. But I want to know the truth. And there's, there's clarity that I'm coming into today that I wish I'd come into years ago. And I've mentioned that a few times in the last number of weeks, particularly about things that my wife has talked to me about for 20 years. And again, well, you weren't ready for certain parts. So where are we today? Where are you today? Where am I right now? Am I ready to see the truth about my stage. So, I'm going to read a... So, I was in Bible college at Christ for the Nations in Dallas, Texas, and I was feeling like I was making some real, real traction with God. I was feeling like, man, you know, I've only been saved like uh, a year, and I'm already this spiritual giant. And I believe that by virtue of the fact that I was doing certain things correctly, according to the measures that were around me. You know, I was, I was spending a lot of time in prayer. I was reading the Word of God. When I went into worship, man, I was all in. I was just, wow, this is, this is so good. I, I am doing so amazing. And uh, to help that along, I had all kinds of other people telling me how amazing I was doing. So i like, I know, right? <laughs> Sometimes the picture you get from the world that you're in is not correct. And there came a time when God says, okay, I'm going to show you where you're really at. And he brought this uh, realignment in my life. And suddenly, uh, 
I, I, I lost the ability to pray. I lost the ability to be diligent. I lost the ability, I couldn't read the word. I mean, I, I still did a little bit, but it was so hard. I didn't even want to go to my classes. And I shared this before. I mean, I used to judge people for not worshiping and dancing and all the time. And there I was, passionless, visionless, sitting in the back, judging other people's worship. <laughs> yeah, I used to be like you. Now I'm a realist. <laughs> Here's the issue. Now, let me try and condense it down to this. The question and the issue that God was trying to bring light to is this central issue. What is it that gives me confidence to draw near to God? What is it that gives you confidence to draw near to God? I mean, it says, you know, in Hebrews, we should have boldness. And we're going to talk about it. We're going to see there's another boldness here in 1 John. But what is it, in reality, not what you think, but in reality, where are you deriving the energy to, to present yourself before God? Now, uh, it can get a little muddled, uh, a question, because we're dealing with heart issues, and the heart is a chameleon uh, of sorts. So, you know, the Bible says the heart is deceptive about all things. Who can know it? So let me read a few passages from 1 John, and we'll try and get into this. I'll start reading in verse 7, because there's so many good ones. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Now, let me give you a little snapshot. It wasn't meaning to stop here, but this is so good. Don't you love the Word of God? Okay, so I would read passages like this, and I, I, I as a person who is strategic, I thought, well, I need to be a loving person, clearly, because evidently it's important to God. So I'm going to be a loving person. So I begin to, to produce all of the behaviors that told myself and others that I was loving because uh, that gave me a sense of confidence that I could then ask God for great things. Isn't that interesting? My confidence to ask God for great things. Lord, I, I want you to bless this. I want you to you know, provide finances for my, my Bible college. I, I pray that you do this for me and this for me and heal me and touch me and, and bring me a great wife and you know, all of these things. What was happening was I was making these efforts to be loving and the efforts were yielding some, some returns in terms of I was... I was saying, well, man, I'm way more loving than I used to. And others were telling me it was loving. And that, in turn, gave me confidence to feel like I deserved something from God. Why is that important? Because what happened is I got a, I got a report card at one point on what my faith was really, at what faith, level my faith was really at. 
and I failed dismally. I realized I didn't believe at all. In other words, this is, this is the central issue here, is that do you have boldness to ask God for things because God is loving, or have you met all the, do you have boldness because you feel you've met all the criteria that pleases him? Or a combination of both. And that's the thing. There is always a combination of both. It's a question of where is that marker moving? Where is it at presently in your life? Uh, do you get confidence from you're doing the right thing or not? And what happened to me is I was doing all the right things. Suddenly I wasn't doing the right things. And you know what? I stalled. I stalled. I, I couldn't worship. I didn't know why. I didn't know why. All the energy had gone from my life to do those things that, that, that you know, demonstrated me drawing near to God. I didn't know why it all left me, but the reason it all left me was because I saw who I really was and all the boldness, which is the catalyst, left. I felt disapproved. Now, what do you do when you feel disapproved? Well, we can pretend we're not disapproved. We can pretend that that didn't really happen. We can pretend that God didn't see that, and that God doesn't know that. But God sees all things. God sees everything. So I was stalled. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. So in reality, what I realized in that moment, and this is my own personal epiphany, and it took a, took a long time for the conclusions to unfold. At first it was just, I was stalled, I stopped, I didn't know why, I was hopeless, I was discouraged, I was distant, and I didn't know why. Now I know. I didn't know that. But let me tell you, the factors are all the same. And even though it was a discouraging time, it was actually, it was actually evidence that I was maturing in hindsight. Because God will not test you beyond what you're able. So if God is testing you with a level of truth that might be humiliating, rejoice. Because that means you have enough of a capacity for him to challenge you with this. So, you will know the truth, the truth will set you free. So God, God is love. He who does not love does not know God. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. Hallelujah. And this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his sons to be a propitiation for our sins. Now, we could preach a whole lot right on that. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that God loved us. What had gradually happened is my confidence shifted away from the love of God to the love for God that was developing in me. Now, was, God, was a love for God not developing? No, it was, but, and that's great, and my love for God should grow, and by that, I should be able to start loving his people. But my, this is what happened. My confidence 
to draw near to God shifted away from God's love to my love for God. Well, how do you avoid that? You can't if that's where you're at. You can't avoid it. You know, again, Christianity is not pretense. We're not acting. We're not play-acting. We're not trying to... the, The reality of what we are is being gradually changed. But in the course of that, we act beyond what we are, only to discover what we really are, which is cause hopelessness. We stall until God says, but you know what, I knew that all along. And that, that's the thing that started to take, it took a while to settle in, you know, because when God comes, came to me and said, yeah, you know, you really believe a lot in yourself, you're a lot full of yourself, and da 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 and I was horrified. This is awful. And he said, but you know what? All those moments you had before you knew that and you felt my love, I didn't love you because of the absence of those things. I loved you despite the presence of those things. And that's, that's, the, that's the challenge of faith, is can God come and show you who you really are and you not become hopeless? If your faith is not in your righteousness, you can't. If your confidence is derived from the fact that, well, I'm doing a lot of things right here, and God says, yeah, actually, you're not. Mostly it's bad. And you get deflated, and you lose, "Ah, I'm, what is that? That's That's a litmus test moment. It's a report card moment. This is how much faith you really have. Faith by its nature orients orients around God and who God is. Unbelief by its nature involves a lie, involves confidence in me, human strength, my own righteousness, my own goodness. And that's what God fundamentally is trying to change inside of you. He's trying to change your set points in terms of what you are focused on, really, in reality in your heart. And you want that. You want that penetrating truth and reality, because, you know, every, and this, is, this is the fallen nature of men. Everybody's creating their own little worlds. This is real. How I feel is real. How I think is real. This, this is, and, and on and on it goes, to the point where there's no more gender. Gender is an illegitimate title, because I don't feel that way. And God is saying, listen, there's coming a time when all your false realities are going to disappear, and I am setting what reality for everyone. And what Christianity is, is we're saying, God, I want to come into that. I want to come into that. But what we don't realize is how quickly we create an alternate reality. Even as Christians, we don't understand how, how easy it is to do that. So then when God pokes the bubble, you know, pops the balloon, it's like, and then God starts to whisper in your ear, saying, you know what? I still love you. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, I still love you. Well, how long, how long does that take? Well, it took about a year. And then it was over? No, a year for me to begin to say, okay, I'm going to start to draw near again. Let me keep reading because this is such great scripture. So, and this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us. So when we want to focus on the fact that God loved us, 
All right, it's because we want to get away from the idea that we love God. Not as a reality or a possibility or something that's growing in us, but as the source of our strength. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love has been perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him, he and he in us, because he has given us his spirit. Wow. Man, there's so much here. I don't even know what to, what to not talk about. Because I, I know uh, our, our time's already running out. We can always come back to it next week. But let me skip ahead to verse 17. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. These, these scriptures here are kingdom absolutes. These are like truth pillars in the kingdom of God around which we need to build our lives. That is, if we want to actually really progress in this. So let me read these passages again. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. So God wants to actually create in you a boldness uh, around his love. See, what I had as a young Christian was a boldness around my, my great response to his love. Aren't they the same? No, not at all. They're worlds apart. Your world and his. See, it actually takes longer to create authentic, powerful, world-changing faith than we imagine. But that's okay. God is patient. He's got time. And he's... He's waiting on us, which is fine, right? God is patient. He's loving. But here's the, here's the issue, and this is what we want to think about. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. So there's, an, uh, there's a way that, and I don't know how to explain this, there's a way that the love of God and faith in that love is synonymous because faith in the love of God opens us up to accessing God's love, which makes us loving. And what he's saying here is, listen, uh, these are just words. These are just semantics. It's very easy to say, well, I'm a loving person. I, that guy gave me the finger when I was driving and I didn't give it to him back. Uh, that person was in a hurry and I let her in line in front of me, even though you know, I thought, well, you should have come earlier. And so, you know, I'm loving, right? This is what we do. Our, our, the disposition of the fallen mind is, is, is designed to inflate ourselves. So fear, fear, the presence of fear is part of the litmus test of whether you are in love. And this, this is what God is trying to get us. But you see, 
I, I remember years ago, I was, I was, it was a, a ministry leader, and something happened where her husband was, was 20 minutes late from driving from one place to another anyway. And this is supposed to be a person of faith, to teach faith, model faith, exhort faith in others. And she was in an absolute panic. Absolute panic. Is it 20 minutes? And she's in her car and she's calling prayer chains and she's driving around the city looking for him. And uh, I, you know, I can't remember how it came up. It was like, you know, you don't need to be afraid. I'm not afraid. I'm just concerned. Semantics. We hide behind language. The truth is, man, you are riddled with fear. You're panicking. But I can't let myself believe that because part of my identity as a leader is I must be a person of faith, not a person of fear. So I am predisposed not to believe that that's fear. So perfect love casts out fear in our lives. But God is trying to say to us, listen, I, I love you, but there's fear in your life. No, there isn't. No, no, there's not fear. I'm, I'm just wise. So even though God is the one who's coming to us saying, listen, I want to establish, establish you in my love, we are fearful just to get that information because it de-establishes us in something we thought we were already established in. And so God, but God has decided, listen, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. I'm coming to you with a flood of truth. I'm, the, the, and the flood of truth is increasing as we grow, come toward the end of the ages. Truth is going to fill the earth like waters cover the sea. Truth is, 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 is going to be completely wide open. That's, I mean, the, the manifestation of God at the end of the age is a manifestation of ultimate truth. What we get is an advanced billing so that we're gradually transformed by that truth and the fear, the core of our beings, is extinguished. Extinguished. It says that, it says that Satan holds mankind captive all their, all their days through the fear of death. Through the fear of death. The love of God is coming to you to get you to the place where you don't fear death. Which is interesting, because sometimes, oh, I, you know, if it came to push or shove, I'd, I'd, I wouldn't deny the Lord. Go ahead, cut my head off. Yeah, it's easy to boast now. But you can't even look yourself hardly in the mirror about small defects without being de deflated. But you're, you brag, you, you assume that, no, well, well, when it really matters... And God says, actually, the kingdom is built on this. He that's faithful and little is faithful and much. So let's forget about what you think you might do in that extreme situation. What are you doing now? I'm coming to bring a cleansing to you. There's fear at work in you. Fear that God might not be happy with. You know, when you're, when you're a young person, you come home and you've, you know you have done badly and, and you've, you've, you know, you're in big trouble and your dad comes home. Do you come running to the door or not? 
See, the natural response of fear is distance. And God's trying to say to you, there's distance between you and I, and fear is the culprit. I want to deliver you from that by manifesting and shifting your confidence away from your perceived performance. And the, the evidence that you are not perfected in love is that when your perceived performance is compromised, you stay back. So, are you perfected in love or not? Do you really believe? Is your faith fixed in how much I love you? Evidently not, because as is clear, my faith, my boldness has been derived from my perceived performance. Now, I say perceived because we can deceive ourselves that we're performing at a level we're not. And that's where I was when God came to me and said, yeah, mm, a lot of us live in the other ditch where we're so aware of what's wrong with us, we just don't draw near. We live at a distance and we cope. We cope living at a distance. And we're trying, we are trying to, we're, so, we're aware of what's wrong with us, but we're trying to overcome the awareness of what's wrong with us by saying, well, God is love, God is love, God is love. But the evidence that you actually believe that is you draw near with boldness. But I'm still not able to draw, I'm still stalled in my journey. What does that mean? Well, you don't really believe what you think you believe, or you would be free. So this is where many of us are stalled in this journey. God's saying, I, I need you to know that I love you, but my love is not ignorant. It's not blind. I mean, think about it this way. Think about it this way. When, when the high priest of Israel would go in once a year to offer sins for the nation, okay, they would tie a, belt to, uh, a rope to his belt or to his, you know, thing, why? In case he died. In case he died. In other words, if I didn't do the ceremony quite correctly, or others are part of this, and you know, I need to make sure the blood of Jesus is all over me, because if there's any, you know, any open area, I'm vulnerable. And so the, the high priest is going in there. He's entering the glory of God. He's aware of what God could do to him. But is, what if we missed a step? This is where you get your confidence that, as a Christian, we're not going in with ceremonies and stuff. We're, we're going in with the blood of Jesus. And do we believe there was no missed step? Do we really believe? Boldness to enter is derived by we believe it's covered. Or, or... We diminish our transgression. I'm a really good Christian. Nothing bad's going to happen to me. And that's where most of us live. It's safe there. And so that's why when you, when you do something bad, we end up falling into the typical religious rut of doing something good to compensate for something's bad. What is that? It's not the blood of Jesus. That's the blood of your own sacrifice, your sweat, the sweat of your brow. That actually was, is what come out of the curse. But that's the reality sometimes of where our heart's at. So if we're stalled in this journey, we're not stalled because God's saying, yeah, now nah, I don't want you. He's saying, listen, 
you can't pass beyond this stage until this fear slash confidence in yourself is shifted to place of real faith in my love. So how long are you going to stay there? Well, again, it's not like, oh, okay, I'm not staying here. No, no, no. If you fear, you fear. You can't pretend. You know, somebody here was, used to be afraid of cats. Somebody's afraid of snakes. Somebody's afraid of flying. You, know? uh, you well, that's it. I'm not going to be afraid of flying anymore. So you go on a plane, and you're still panicked, but you're flying. Well, see, I'm not afraid of flying anymore. No, no, you're still afraid of flying, but you've gone against the grain. Great first step. Great first step. But there's freedom. There's freedom to be found, and it's not in denial. It's not a pretending. There's a real victory. There's a real overcoming. There's a real coming into a knowledge of God where there's boldness to come into his presence, fully aware that I'm lacking. Fully aware. And this is one of the things as a leader, sometimes people sit back and say, well, there's things wrong with you. What makes you so bold? The blood of Jesus. Is there other leaders who are presumptuous? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I can't answer for them. But this is my journey. And the things that are wrong with me are being gradually fixed, but they're really not a part of the picture of me coming with boldness into his presence. But my heart today is fixed on his love in a way that it never was. But the beautiful thing is I don't have to deny what's wrong with me to get that boldness. But my confidence in his blood covering what's wrong with me is fuller now than it's ever been so that I can have access to him. That's freedom. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Hallelujah. Father, I pray. Lord, first of all, I want to declare, and I want you to be in your heart saying this. I am your workmanship, created in you for good works. You are the author and finisher of my faith. So, so I didn't even know how to do this, but that's okay too, because you've got me in an assembly line where I am being assembled according to your previous plan. And I might be stalled, and it might be, take some time, and it might be, but I am in this journey. And so I say to you, Lord God, do it. Do it in my life. Do it in my life. Do it in my life today. I want to increase in faith. I want to know who you are. I want to have the truth that sets me free. And I want to have boldness. Boldness in the day of judgment. Boldness now. Confidence, because Jesus has been made righteousness to me. This is what it means when the Bible says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. The alternative is your own righteousness and another kingdom. Father, we are your vessels. We, we believe today and we declare it. What you've begun, you will finish. Because, not because I'm loving, but because you are. And you are making us like yourself. Hallelujah. You say amen? I feel like some of us are about to break through certain thresholds, hopelessness,
plateaus, places we've been for a while. So rejoice, 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 rejoice. Even if it doesn't happen this week or this month, rejoice because you're in God's process. But just keep telling him, I'm willing and I love the truth. I'm willing and I love the truth. I'm willing and I love the truth. Amen?